Welcome to the Soul Service Podcast. I'm your host, Anastasia Burtnick. I am a spiritual life coach, energy healer, and psychic medium on a mission to help you heal, awaken, and expand your light and consciousness. If you are a spiritual seeker ready to learn, grow, and live and breathe your purpose here on this earth, you are in the right place, my friend. Together, we are going to dive deep into opening our hearts, healing our shadows, connecting with our souls, and erasing our vibes so you can live your best life ever. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Soul Service Podcast. You are tuning in with me, your host, Anastasia Burtnick. Oh, okay. Today's episode is going to be a little on the heavier side. So I do want to prepare you because I'm going to be asking some tough questions and I'm going to be looking at things in a different manner than perhaps you do. The purpose of this episode is to just ask you to think, ask you to step back into a role of the observer and look at what's going on. So for quite a while, I have been studying numerous things, such as the elite. You can also refer to them as the Illuminati, the Freemasons, the Brotherhood, the system. I've been studying a lot of things around that. And my soul has been calling me to uncover things, to look beyond what I am being shown. And right from the outset of this pandemic, this virus, it has never felt right to me even before all of the different mainstream media narratives started coming out, it didn't feel right to me. It felt like something was off about it. And then the more information and the more things that happened around this virus or pandemic, the more my soul was telling me that this isn't right, that we're not being told the truth. I do 100% believe that there is a virus. But I believe in many ways we are being lied to. It's not adding up. The things that mainstream media is telling us just doesn't add up. There are too many contradictions. And even the numbers that they're releasing And now re-releasing, it it still doesn't add up to the actions being taken. This is not about a virus. Now, one of the things that I have heard from people throughout 
this entire pandemic is that it's for the greater good. Just wear a mask, it's for the greater good. Just stay home, it's for the greater good. Just don't see your family and friends, it's for the greater good. And all I can do is sit here and question what that even means. What does it's for the greater good mean? Now, this is a very philosophical question because there is no right answer, nor is there a wrong answer. There are only answers that are tied to our current perceptions. So for people that follow the mainstream narrative and they believe everything the government tells them and they're doing everything the government says, for the greater good to them means getting a vaccine, except accepting and begging for mandatory vaccines, accepting and begging for mandatory masks, for the isolation of our seniors, for the masking of our children, for the creation of isolation camps, otherwise known as internment camps. All of those things are for the greater good. And then I'm sitting over here and many, many people I know are sitting on the other side and we're looking at what the mainstream media is telling us. And it's just not feeling right. There is so much contradicting evidence and alternative scientific research and doctors speaking out against the measures that are being taken, but all of their voices are being silenced. And I myself have asked questions about how we move forward living with this virus because it's not going away. When, when do the lockdowns end? At what point do we stop harming others, harming our economy, small businesses, the middle class? At one point, do we stop making everyone rely on the government? At what point do we stop masking our children, masking ourselves? At what point do we stop hurting our immune systems by masking? At one point, do we stop hurting the development of our children? Because if you look at it, if you take a step back and look at it from an observer perspective, the isolation, the, the physical distancing, not having physical touch, not being able to work, 
not being able to breathe, not being able to have freedom and bodily integrity and, and freedom of movement and freedom of speech, not being able to see each other's faces. These things are all highly detrimental to the way that human beings are meant to live and are supposed to live. You know, by not seeing each other's faces, we're cutting off a key component of how our bodies and brains function on a physiological level. We can't look at someone and determine what they're feeling. We can't read their face. It makes it harder for us to then read their body language. So we're actually changing the way our brains function. We're, we're isolating our seniors. You know, there have been protests at seniors' homes where they're saying, I would rather die of COVID and see my family than be isolated because it's killing them. And that is a heartbreaking thing. That is truly heartbreaking. And it is heartbreaking that children cannot play with one another. We are not meant to do all of our interaction through a screen. We are meant to interact in person. We are meant to have physical touch. Physical touch, even if it is between friends, is intimate and we need that intimacy. You know, the fact that the the government is telling us to mask while having sex and even use glory holes. What? How is that okay? How is that okay? You know, you also look at the things happening in Australia where they are not allowed out for more than one to two hours per day, not allowed further than five kilometers from their home. If they post on Facebook or Instagram or any social media that is remotely against what mainstream media is saying, they get arrested inside their homes. That is not okay. Canada making isolation camps, that's not okay. You know, there are many parallels being drawn around what is happening in the world today with with isolation and mandatory masking and what happened with the Jews in the Holocaust. And, you know, I myself did a very deep dive over the last little while into, like I said, all of the agenda stuff with the elite, the Luciferian acts behind the scenes, the true reasons why a lot of this is happening. I have also done a lot of deep research into the, and this is in Canada, so I have not looked at other parts of the world, but the World War I internment of Ukrainians and Austro-Hungarians. We were, we were invited to Canada. And then as soon as the, to, to farm the lands, to work the lands, we were given land. And then as soon as World War I broke out within 
a one week period, they started creating isolation camps and everyone who was of Ukrainian descent or Austro-Hungarian descent, um, which also included like uh, Serbian and a few other races, but most, mostly it was Ukrainian. They were labeled as enemy aliens and you had to sign documentation to that. That was the first step. And then they started coming and taking food. Then they started coming and taking families. Men, women, children were put into internment camps. They were separated. They were forced to work. Many lost their land. Many died. The conditions were horrible. They were beaten and abused and shot. I myself have family members that were in those internment camps. And to this day, we do not know what happened to them because they never returned home. They were taken and they were never returned home. World War II, the same thing happened with the Japanese. After the bombing in Pearl Harbor, in Pearl Harbor the Japanese in Canada had their rights slowly stripped away. First, it was they would come and do things like shoot their pets, little things. They would say, you have to do this. You have to register here. You have to do these things. It was a little, it was little by little that their rights were stripped and all of a sudden they were taken and they were put into internment camps. And then all of their assets and their, and their businesses and everything that they had was sold. Can, and I'm, they're not even just immigrants. It was Canadian citizens. They were treated like the enemy. And then upon all of the, the work in these camps, again, where they were not taken care of, where they were malnourished, where they were beaten and abused and killed. Then after the war ended, after another couple of years, they were let out of these camps and then they were given the quote-unquote choice. You move to a different part of the country or you go back to Japan. People that have never lived there before don't even speak the language. You have to go back. So they started deportations. Some went, some didn't. Their lives were forever changed. And then you look at the residential schools. They ran for over 100 years from the late 1800s to the last one closing in 1996 in Canada. The residential schools, they had children of Aboriginal families taken. Some were taken directly from the arms of their parents. Some were taken while they were walking home. They were beaten and abused. They were molested. They were killed. They had everything that they were stripped away. Fam the families that were left, many didn't know where their children were. Some did and they tried to get them and they couldn't. Those families, the parents, went through unmentionable trauma. The children went through unmentionable trauma. And then the ones that survived have been changed forever.
they went back and they no longer belonged to their Aboriginal family. Some didn't even know who their family was because it had been so long. So their families no longer accepted them and nor did the rest of Canada. They were homeless, they were rootless. They weren't considered to be part of Canada nor they were, were they considered to be part of the Aboriginal tribes. They were stripped of everything. And the trauma carried through several generations. The trauma from World War II and the Japanese has carried through several generations. The trauma from World War I and all the Ukrainians, Austro-Hungarians, the Europeans has traveled through the generations. And all of it started with small stripping of rights. And all of it was done for the greater good. So this is where I ask you, what does the greater good mean to you? Because whether, whether we are talking about the Jews in Germany or any of the internment camps through World War I and II or the residential schools or the, the enslavement of people who are black in, all across the world and especially in the States. All of that was done for the greater good. So when we use that phrase, who is it serving and what does it really mean? Because for me, the greater good means the freedom of people. There, there are going to be people who are going to die of this virus. And we cannot avoid death. We cannot cheat death. And I understand that many people are very afraid of death and what that means, the finality of it. There is a lot of fear around it, but we cannot cheat it. And what most people don't understand is that when death occurs, 99 times out of 100, they are fulfilling a soul contract. There are times when death can be sudden and a death door is taken early. But for the most part, those people who are people who are dying, whether it is from this virus, whether it is from disease, whether it is even from suicide, whether it is from accidents, how whether it is from old age, they are all stepping through death doors that they have planned out prior to coming to this earth. As a soul, we plan many exits. And we take them when our soul is ready. Some people take them earlier. They take an earlier death door. Some take later. You know, when you look at near-death experiences... Your soul may have called for a death door at that time. 
And then your soul in that moment chooses not to take it. So you continue living. And eventually you'll take another death door. And you'll return to spirit and then the cycle starts over again and you will be born again at some point. But everything has purpose. Everything has purpose. Now there may be some further gray area around death doors, especially when things like murder and sacrifice are are being done. But it can also be argued that although those are horrible acts, the person who was murdered or sacrificed may have had a contract, a soul contract to fulfill. There may be a karmic lesson there. There may be a reason why they took that death door at that time, even though on a human level, it feels like they didn't have a choice. Everything that is going on is, is bigger than, than our humanness. But we still get to choose how to show up, how to be in this world. We have lessons to learn. And we have rights for a reason. And when we speak of things like death doors and the fact that souls take them, and that many, much of this is pre-planned in some ways. It does not take away from the grief and the depth of feeling around death itself. It does not take away from the experience of the individuals who are left behind. It does not take away from the life that that soul lived here on earth. It does not condone the evil actions of others. It's just an understanding on a deeper level. And both exist and both need to exist. It is not one without the other. They are intertwined. So with this virus, there are going to be people who die. And that is sad. And that is heartbreaking. And we also cannot avoid it. We cannot avoid it. nor can we continue to not live 
for any time we are living in fear or the energy of fear, we are not truly living. And you know, something I've had told to me is that just because someone doesn't agree with you doesn't mean that they are living in fear. Just because somebody has different beliefs and they are pro-mask and all of these things surrounding the virus, it doesn't mean they're living in fear. And I'm going to challenge that. Because there, no matter what the reason you are doing it for, there is fear somewhere there. If you're doing it because you don't want to make waves, there is a, there's an underlying energy of fear underneath that. If you're doing it because you want to follow the rules, there is an underlying energy of fear around that. If you're doing it to protect others, there is an underlying energy of fear around that. Because if you don't do it, then you're not protecting others and therefore you are bad. If you don't follow the rules, then you are a rule breaker and therefore you are bad. There are many, there's many beliefs and programs that go into all of this. But if you are not, if you're not questioning things at this point in time, I encourage you to ask yourself why. And if you're going along with things just because it's easier, again, I would ask yourself why. You may not be afraid of a virus. Maybe you're afraid of the government. Maybe you are unable to name your fear at the root. But it is based in fear. Because if you were based in love, you would be making different decisions. You would be viewing things differently. There wouldn't be lashing out. There wouldn't be judgment. You know, even, even if you were to believe in everything the mainstream media was saying, if you were in love, even if you, if you were in a place of love, you would not judge others. There would be no judgment. There would be acceptance for everyone and their beliefs and their actions. You may disagree with people, but you would still love and understand them and respect them. There would be no pushing of beliefs on each other. It would just, it would just be acceptance. But that's pretty rare. And most people are living in a fear energy, even if they are not consciously afraid. Remember that we are energetic beings and everything is energy. Everything has its own frequency. The word love has its own frequency. It is a higher vibration. The word fear, hatred, judgment, 
those also have their own vibration and they are, are of a lower vibration. And this is actually proven by science. You can look up, there's snowflake experience with frozen water and they will say different words and play different music and, and have different conversations around water and let it freeze. And the ones that are surrounded by love and harmony and peace, those higher vibrations, they make beautiful frozen water patterns. Whereas the ones surrounding hatred and fear and anger have like broken water patterns. They're not harmonious. There's dissonance. So you can see this for yourself. So really... Sit down and ask yourself, what does for the greater good mean to you? What does it mean? And asking questions, questioning the, the mainstream media, questioning the government does not make you selfish. It does not mean that you want everyone to die. It's just looking at other alternatives. There is no perfect answer, but there definitely are higher vibrational answers, higher vibrational ways of doing things and lower vibrational ways of doing things. All of it is true. It's just that there are different vibrations of that truth. So are you going to sit in the truth that is based in fear or are you going to move to the truth that is based in love? We have to live with this virus. There's no avoiding it. There is no avoiding death. We cannot cheat death. But we can do a lot to improve our society. We can do a lot to improve ourselves. We can care about society as a whole. Because, you know, while we are focused on masking and social distancing and, and fearing this virus, people are not getting medical care. People with cancer, heart disease. My own father, who has a heart condition, could not see his cardiologist that he'd been waiting a year to see because he refused to do in-person appointments. And because they wouldn't test him, my dad's now in heart failure. And that's, that's a sad fact. We're being denied access to actual care. They closed down alternative healthcare services, massage, chiropractic, physiotherapy. We were being denied access to that. And even now, access is limited. We're being denied human interaction. The rate of mental illness is going up. The rate of suicide is up. The rate of drug overdoses is up. Of domestic violence. There is a lot going on that is worsening 
and has nothing to do with a virus, but has everything to do with the government control. And all I'm doing is asking you to look at these other things because for me and for many people that I speak to, that doing something for the greater good means being taken care of all of mankind, of not destroying economies, of finding alternative ways to help people of not losing our rights and freedoms, of not resorting to internment camps and slavery. Of not letting go of our basic fundamental rights, of not limiting access to care, of educating people on how to actually boost your immunity. We can still protect the vulnerable without destroying everyone else. And again, we cannot cheat death. So there will be deaths. But when you look, when you when you look at the numbers and everything, this is like a flu. This is like pneumonia. We are living in fear of one another. We are living in fear that if we hug a loved one, we will kill them. And that is a heartbreaking thing for us to be teaching each other as a society. So what does doing something for the greater good mean to you? And where are the lines? And how can we do better and be better? How can we protect and honor everyone in the highest and best way? How can we continue to live with rights and freedoms and bodily integrity? With freedom of speech, with freedom of choice with the freedom to move around without the fear of being persecuted, of losing everything. There is a better way forward here. And right now, the way that our mainstream media and the government is, is teaching us to do things for the greater good is not in fact for the greater good. So what does it mean to you? I love you all. Thank you for tuning in to this episode. And I will see you next time. Thank you for joining me today on the Soul Service Podcast you love what you heard, I would be over the moon if you would share this episode with your friends and leave me a five-star review and subscribe over on iTunes. I want to help as many people as I can, and I can't do it without your support. I'll see you on the next episode.